Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Annie McCarty of AnnieMcCarty.com. Annie is an online business manager and workflow specialist, helping creative entrepreneurs do more of what they love by building sustainable, balanced businesses. Annie's clients are busy. They have inquiries flying into their email. They're approaching their fully booked threshold. They're successful. But as they grow, they're becoming more buried in behind-the-scenes work. They're missing out on time spent with family and friends, and they're slowly losing sight of why they started a business in the first place. Annie works one-on-one with clients to help them conquer all the things through streamlined business systems. When she's not working, you'll find her binge-watching Grey's Anatomy with her pup Greta, bopping at bluegrass festivals, or frequenting breweries with her hubby Scott. I'm so excited to chat with Annie today all about crafting your client experience. So let's dive right in. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat with you about crafting the perfect client experience with you today. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you got started doing it all? Yeah. Hey, Jenny. I'm happy to be here. I uh, so I started my business about two years ago, um, and it was totally an accident. I did not intend to, I didn't set out with the intention of starting a business. I, um, started helping a friend of mine who owns a photography business. Um, she was having trouble just like keeping up with everything in the day to day. And, um, so I started working with her a little bit. I still had a nine to five. Um, but it was really just a hobby at the time. Uh, a couple of months later, she took me to a bridal show with her and introduced me to some of her um, bridal show, like her wedding industry friends, and some of them ended up hiring me. So fast forward six months, um, I actually have this like accidental business, um, uh, and I was a VA at the time, um, but I have this business, and I'm like, oh crap, I, <laughs> I, I have these clients, and I don't like... I was still doing the side hustle. Like when you get home at six o'clock and work until midnight and your husband hates you, that's part of that. (laughs) So we made the decision, um, that I would just go all in with this. Um, and now here we are almost two years later. Um, and it's had a lot of, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of transition and it looks nothing today like it did when I started. Um, but I couldn't be more thankful to be here. Now I offer more, um, like system strategy and implementation, um, and higher level, like OBM type of work. So, um, it, like I said, it looks nothing like it did when I started, but, um, it's been a fun, sometimes trying, but very grateful journey. Yeah. I think that's just a part of like having a business is when you first start, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. You're just throwing stuff out there and hoping it sticks and then eventually you find yeah. what you actually like to do. So then you kind of hone in on that because you don't want to do those yeah. things you don't have to do. If you know, you're, you're in your own business, you don't need to do these things that you're not interested in doing. So once you kind of find what you're good at and what you like to do, then you kind of just mold into that business versus what you started with. Yeah, I know. I, I think I said yes to like literally anything and anyone in the beginning and quickly realized that like there are some things that I should not be doing, some things I don't like doing. 
Um, so yeah, you're totally right. It, it's a, it evolves <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like when it starts as like your side business and then you're like, Oh crap, I'm going to take this full time. When you start taking it more seriously, it definitely changes. Um, because you know, you're not just spending 6 PM to midnight on it. You're spending all day, every day working to build your dream business. So. Yeah. It's like, I think I've heard people say like, if, it, if you treat it like a hobby, it pays you like a hobby. If you treat it like a business, it pays you like a business. And that's so, so, so true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And you know, you just need to keep putting your best foot forward. And you know, if that, if you're offering these services that you're not passionate about, it's going to show and people are going to yeah. be like, she doesn't seem to be too into it. So why should I hire her? Yeah, totally. So today we're kind of talking a little bit about a client experience and why it's important and things like that. And I know that's your specialty. So let's dive right into the questions. So, you know, what is a client experience and why is it important for us to have? So I think um, client experience is one of those things. It's like kind of buzzwordy. Um, people talk about it, but I don't necessarily know that anybody really breaks it down beyond just like, these are the steps that a client takes with you in the process of working with you. But truly like it's more than that. I think it's like, it's a feeling it's how a client feels when, um, when they interact with you, how a client feels when they interact with different facets of your brand. Um, and it's, it's so much more than like just a checklist of steps. It truly is like what, how you serve your clients and how you pour into them like that at the end of the day is your, um, is your experience. And one of the biggest shifts talking about taking a side hustle, um, taking a business from a side hustle to a full-time gig. I think one of the things that really expedited that for me personally was when I put a focus on the client experience in my own business. Um, and when I did, I started to attract like super like high level clients and people were referring me way more mm -hmm. um, than when I first started. And I was just kind of like, not, not knowing that I was doing this, but just like going through the motions and like running down a, a essentially a checklist of the things that had to get done for me to fulfill my obligations to them. Mm -hmm. um, when you're able to do more like that is truly when I saw the biggest shift in my own business and it still is paying me dividends now. Yeah. I think that's really important because like you said, a lot of people are just going through the checklist and you know, nowadays people online are becoming more and more prevalent. There's more, mm -hmm. um, you know, social media managers and more OBMs. There's more of everything. So you really need to kind of find what makes you stand out and, you know, having a good client experience and having like, you know, those things laid out from the get go is just one way to kind of set you apart from other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. Um, so kind of when you're going through client experience, what are some of the stages? So of course, obviously onboarding is the one that everyone comes thinks of when, you know, they're thinking of a client experience, but what else is there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's every interaction. Um, and I usually break it down into, uh, into six stages. Um, there's four that I cover when I work with a client, like when I'm working on a systems implementation or something with a client, mm -hmm. um, there's four that I cover, but I truly believe that the experience of working with you starts like way before they ever message you on Facebook or fill out your contact form. Um, they're engaging with you and with your brand and forming an opinion, um, about you and your brand again, way before they ever fill out that contact form for the first time. So um, when you talk about client experience and think about what you want yours to look like, I think that is something that you can't 
forget Mm -hmm. um, because that the client's opinion of you before they reach out is ultimately going to influence whether they do in fact reach out. So um, while that isn't like that stage of the game, isn't necessarily something that I teach um, or something that I work with, work on with my clients. um, I always like to make sure I mention it um, because it is important, but from there, obviously there's the stage um, when somebody reaches out for the first time and um, you're figuring out if you are truly the best fit to serve them um, in whatever capacity that you do. Um, so it's that entire, like, how are you going to respond to them? Is it via email? Or are you going to take it to the phone? Like, what does that process look like? How are you going to follow up with them? Um, I read somewhere once and I can tell you from personal experience that I believe it to be true um, that it takes someone, um, it can take anyone, take someone anywhere from seven to 12 touches before they actually Um, book with you. And I have found that, um, again, talking about shifts in our business, when I made it a point to follow up and not in like a super scummy way, (laughs) but just in like a staying relevant and staying like at the top of someone's inbox and engaging with them um, in other ways to keep them, to keep them engaged with you and your business, eventually that it comes back around. Um, So that lead process, that lead nurture and follow up process, that is um, stage two. Stage three is booking. So um, it's essentially the process that someone has to go through in order to officially book with you or hire you or whatever that is. Um, And then obviously you talked about onboarding um, and then there's kind of the offboarding stage and after offboarding, this is another one that I think a lot of people don't, um, don't think about, but essentially, I mean, you've worked really hard to get this client, um, and to work with this client and you've hopefully put a lot of your heart and soul into the relationship. Like that shouldn't necessarily stop just because the project is over or just because the business relationship is over. Um, that client could become a friend. Um, that client could have a lifetime value for your business. They could be a repeat client. Um, they could send other people your way and figuring out how to nurture that relationship after the project is over. Um, again, I think is a place where, um, people don't put enough emphasis, but should. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree with that because, you know, like you said, they could either work with you again or refer you out. So it's important to keep in contact in some way or another. And one thing that I do that kind of makes it easier to remember that, like once I finish with a client, I add a task in my Asana, like, hey, follow yeah. this person like in a month and see how they're doing. And then, you know, once I follow up and make sure like that they're content with whatever service I provided them, then later on, um, I will also send like, up, like if you're interested or if you feel comfortable or something, I'll have like a link to a testimonial so they can give me a testimonial and things like that. Just, you know, or if you have any friends that are interested in the service, like please, you know, if you enjoyed your experience, please let them know about me because I have availability, things like that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do that with every single client because of course we've all had those clients where you're like, okay, well, I don't want to work with anyone that they're friends with because what if they're just like them, that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little more choosy on who I'm like, you know, please, you know, I, I would like a testimonial, but you know, I don't want them to refer me to everyone just because, you know, you know those kind of people. But, um, you know, just making sure you add that into whatever project management tool you're using or your to-do list or whatever, and making sure you just keep that, keep in contact with them because, you know, they could 
refer you multiple people further down the line, or they could come back and say, hey, actually, I got this Pinterest for event, but now I want actual management services for you. And that's what a lot of people do for me personally. They'll get like a revamp of their Pinterest, and then like a few months later, they're like, okay, now I need management because I just don't have time to go in and do it myself. So, yeah. And I, like it, the, I love all of that because it's so true. Like that person, I've had clients come back and I've had clients come back that ask for things that I don't even do anymore. Um, <laughs> and I refer them out to people who do, but, um, just the fact that like you made such a good impression on them that they're willing to come back to you again, speaks volumes. Um, cause I, I do something similar. Like when I finished a system set up for somebody, um, I have a, a task in my Asana, um, for two weeks after I finished the implementation to just go back and check in and see if they have any questions. And if they do, I answer them or I might hop into their system and make a tweak, or I might mm -hmm. do something that is like totally not what, like, I'm not getting paid for that time. It's not, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't have some like ulterior motive in mind. Like I, I truly just want to make sure that they're happy. And when you talk about an experience, like I think those are the the times when you can really make yourself stand out because again, you're going above and beyond and you're doing something extra that isn't necessarily expected of you. Exactly. Um, yeah. I also, this is like a kind of random um, thing, but I have a, um, a board in my Asana um, and I have all, every client that I work with is in this board as a task and they're recurring tasks. So um, once every two weeks, I get a recurring task to go find that person, like on social media, like I go to their Instagram or I go to their Facebook and I engage with some of their content. Um, just because I think there's something to be said for like business owners supporting other business owners, mm -hmm. um, and truly like a, like a comment or a share can be huge. <laughs> so I know it sounds like kind of silly, but, um, I get messages from past clients all the time that they say like, I so appreciate that you're still like supporting me. And all it takes is like a double tap on yeah, Instagram, exactly. but it, it makes a difference. I, I agree. I mean, I don't have like necessarily a board or anything, but I always repin my clients' pins because obviously I'm Pinterest manager. So that's like my main thing. And if I see clients that I previously worked with and it fits with the current client that I'm working with, I will repin their pins. So I have right now, I mostly work with like business focused bloggers. I do have a couple like lifestyle travel bloggers that I work with as well and other service-based businesses like coaches and stuff. But you know, a lot of them are business blogs. So they blog about like social media or business tips and things like that. So I'm always repinning my clients' pins for my other clients and for my own account and things like that just to kind of spread the love. Cause you know, just one repin could get them a lot of traffic to their website. So yeah. Totally. I love that. Yeah. It's just really, I mean, it's just a really simple way. I'm already going in and doing it anyway. Might as well help out like a past client. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, so when we're kind of going and crafting our client experience, what are some tools that we can utilize to do this and make it easier on ourselves instead of doing everything? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of automation. Um, and I'll, one of the primary things I do is help clients automate portions of their business. Um, but I say that with the caveat that um, I believe strongly that there needs to be a balance between how much of your process is automated and how much still maintains like a, a very personalized touch. Um, mm -hmm. I think the difference between a business that attracts a high end client and one that doesn't is the personal touch. Um, 
So I just, I was want to make sure that I mentioned that um, when we start to talk about automation, but um, I obviously love Asana. I manage all of my business projects and um, client task lists in there. Um, but in terms of a client facing program, um, I love Dubsado. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're probably one of the best systems that a creative business owner could invest in. Um, not only, not only does it just functionally work really well, <laughs> but it also, I think is one of the most flexible systems that lets you create, um, forms and emails and everything that are like truly custom and totally branded to you and your business. Um, but I think a lot of systems, like they don't let you go that far. So I'm a big fan of Dubsado, um, for that reason. Yeah, I love Dubsado too. I mean, I don't use it to its foolish potential. I mean, I use it for like contracts and workflows and canned emails, but I don't use like the invoicing software because I prefer using FreshBooks just because I have like people on my team and it's easier to track their time on, you know, a different system. But I definitely love um, Dubsado and I feel like it has a lot of really good features and also it's free for your first three members. So, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <not>? Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's a really good tool. And of course, um, if you guys have ever listened to this podcast before, you know, I love Asana and legit my life. So, um, yeah, definitely on that same boat with you there. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, so it's interesting. I use Asana like pretty heavily, but I don't use it with clients. Um, unless they're a client who already has it. Um, what do you do with your clients? Um, truly whatever they prefer. Um, okay. I, when I, uh, started using Asana, I was like, I'm going to have every client in here and I'm never going to use email ever again. And what I realized was that, was that it was causing a little bit of friction, mm -hmm. um, for a client who wasn't already using it. It was just like another tool that they had to adopt and learn. Um, and another place that they had to check every day. Yeah. Um, so like truly for some of my clients, like we, we just email and I'm okay with that. Um, I, would I prefer to have everything be a little bit more streamlined in one place? Yeah, of course. But at the end of the day, it's like they're paying me and my job is to make their life easy. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to cater to whatever, whatever method or tool they prefer is fine with me. I totally understand that. Um, so I kind of do a little bit of the same thing. I mean, not all my clients are in the summer, but I do have like a client workflow board that helps me in Asana so I know like what task I'm doing each day so I'm not going crazy looking through emails and DMs and all these other things but um you know most of my clients they'll, e they'll either you know be on Asana or will email or something but I have like my own client board for my yeah. activity yeah totally yeah. <laughs> totally even if the client doesn't interact with me in, in Asana they are still in Asana <laughs> exactly yeah otherwise <laughs> I would go insane. I'd be like, what am I even doing today? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like joke in our household. I also have a personal board in Asana <laughs> and like my husband is like a recurring task to mow the lawn every other Sunday. It's kind of a joke, but we literally say that like, if it's not in Asana, it's not happening. <laughs> does he look at it too? Yeah, he does. So, oh, um, yeah, he's not a huge fan. <laughs> but, like one day, this is ridiculous, but um, one day I was, uh, hanging a picture in my office and I accidentally 
like smashed the hammer through the drywall. <laughs> so I put a task in his asana that was like fix hole in office wall. And he texted me, he was like, what in the world? <laughs> it has to stop. That's hilarious. Yeah, so I actually do stuff too for my husband in there, but he doesn't look at it. It's just for my own sanity. I'm like, hey, you need to do this today. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought like, could he edits my podcast for me? So I have like, have Michael edit the podcast every Sunday. You know? So I'm like, hey, it's time to edit the podcast. And <laughs> I'm assigned to it, but it's for him. So I just like check it off when it's done. Just like, <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. And I have personal boards too. Trust me. My dog has his own little like subtasks. So oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but it helps me. Otherwise I would not remember anything, but yeah. Yeah. It's true. So what is your current like client onboarding slash like management slash offboarding workflow kind of look like? Yeah. So I have, um, all of this set up in Dubsado. I have, um, I have a, a workflow, um, kind of templated task in okay. Asana that I work, that I work from. And I know I said earlier, like, it's not just about going down a checklist, but in this instance, it is a checklist of things that I want to make sure that I do before I send the onboarding email to the client, just so that I don't forget anything. Um, so my onboarding process, um, I have a, um, a welcome guide that is sent to them, um, that talking about things that have been a game changer for me, this welcome guide clients have like raved about, um, it's, it really breaks down like. Um, not only like there's a lot of personal information about me in there. Um, I talk a lot about like my values, like my core values of the business and the pillars of the business. Um, so for instance, one of my core values is responsiveness and I respond to emails like lightning fast. And I still have clients to this day that like mention that they were like, I did not expect <laughs> that level of responsiveness or that to be like such a thing, but it's like the thing that people remember about me. Um, but it breaks down all of those values. Um, it, it helps them get to know like me as a person. Um, it breaks down the process in like excruciating detail so that they never have to wonder like what's going to happen when um, they all of like our due dates or deliverable dates or anything like that are all broken down in this, um, welcome packet. There's also a page that has, um, like some homework assignments for them to do or some things that they can get started on. Mm -hmm. Um, cause one thing that I realized is that like somebody finally makes this decision to hire you and they're making in some cases a large financial investment. Um, and they're excited. Like when they finally overcome the hurdle of like making the decision and being ready to commit, they're excited to get started. So, I found that capitalizing on that excitement and like sharing in it with them is a really good way to like get a project off to a good start from the beginning. And truly that starts with, I have found at least that that starts with giving them something to do immediately. <laughs> so yeah. you probably have like, I know I have things that I do on the back end when I first start a project or I first start working with a new client. Um, but instead of like them paying me and me going silent for a couple of days while I'm getting my ish together, they, I give them something to do, which sounds like, I know that it sounds counterintuitive. Like they're hiring you to take work off of their plate, but yeah. I, I think it eases some tension. So <laughs> I include that in, um, in the welcome packet. Um, and I think I talked about this too, but just a timeline of everything that happens and when, um, but it's like, I mean, it's a pretty comprehensive, uh, PDF, but it's sent like almost immediately after, 
um, after they come on board. Yeah, that sounds really helpful, especially like the whole like kind of giving them something to do thing. I mean, I always say like, okay, once like they pay their invoice, then I send them an email like requesting their login information for um, Pinterest and then like Tailwind or if they don't have it, then I create it for them. Um, but, you know, having something that's a little, little um, more than just that would be um, cool to kind of look into too. Yeah. And I also, so speaking about like logins and stuff, I do have a questionnaire that I send to that gets any logins that I need from them. Um, and it also gives them a place to like brain dump all of the things that they like may be thinking about related to the project. So mm. like I mentioned, I do systems implementation. Um, and a lot of times that is a setup in Dubsado. And um, so I always give them a space in their onboarding questionnaire to just like dump everything that's in their head onto a piece of virtual paper um, so that it's not lost. Yeah. <laughs> then I know going into like a kickoff call, the things that were most recently on their mind as it pertains to the project. Ooh, I like that a lot. And then it helps, yeah, it helps you in the long run because you have like all the things down and you know, you don't have to go back and forth as much because you already have you know, some of it written down on paper. Yeah. And do you do like a kickoff call or something with your clients? Um, it depends on the package. So if it's like just Pinterest management, no, but if they're doing like, cause I still offer like regular social media management for some people, like not just Pinterest, but just like as a whole. Um, so that entails that, but you know, unless it's like a strategy call or, you know, full social media management, then, um, I will. Yeah. I, um, I found that some clients really love to get on the phone. <laughs> like it eases any like apprehensions that they may have and it kind of humanizes like in the online space, you're often hiring someone that you've never met before. Yeah. Uh, so like giving them a place to connect with you really helps. Um, mm -hmm. but then I have some clients who are like, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Just do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I let them choose, um, whether they want that or not at onboarding, but, um, but yeah, that's, I think that's everything in my onboarding process. I should have pulled up my Asana test list, but <laughs> no worries. I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty comprehensive. So yeah. And then when you're doing like your just daily management for your clients, kind of, I know that's obviously going to be different, but you know, what, how do you keep yourself on track with that? I mean, like what kind of tasks do you kind of have on your plate during that time? Yeah. So when I do a Dubsado setup, I have a master checklist in, in Asana of like every piece of their system that I have to touch in order for it to work. Mm -hmm. um, so I go down that list. But one thing that I found, and um, I work with a lot of businesses in the wedding industry, that's kind of my niche, um, and photographers. So one thing that I found um, that has translated from my business really well into theirs is that there inevitably are these periods of time when it's kind of silent. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the back end doing a lot of work or, mm -hmm. um, for them they're uh, if it's like a wedding photographer or something, like there's a whole lot of time between when somebody books and the actual wedding and people start to get antsy yeah. <laughs> during that time. So, um, I have a couple of things that, um, are actually technically part of my onboarding process, but they're things that I don't personally need until later in the process. Um, so I've spread those out instead of asking for all of it up front. Um, I've spread those out so that I work in like week, week long sprints, um, mm -hmm. in a project. And, uh, so I'll be working on the client's booking process one week. Um, but during the middle of the week when 
I'm working and they haven't heard from me for a while, um, I have an email that I send them that gets them started on their homework for the information that I'm going to need to do next week's sprint. But mm -hmm. it fills some of that time so that yeah. they're not getting antsy wondering like what's happening and are things moving forward. Um, and like for people in the wedding industry, when there is such a big gap between booking and the wedding, um, I usually build something into their workflow that automates like check-ins or maybe, um, for a photographer, like, uh, usually like six months before the wedding, um, we'll automate like a blog post or like an informational email or something about like decisions that you're going to have to make. Like, should you do a first look? Should you have an unplugged ceremony? But it's, it's automated, but it fills that space um, mm -hmm. and makes it seem like the vendor is like super engaged throughout the entire process, not just when it's like their time. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really important because whenever I got married two years ago, um, you know, most of my vendors were pretty silent until it was like, oh my God, it's a four week start. Now yeah. it's just panic and yeah. not me with like 700 emails. So I think just kind of keeping that engagement throughout and like making the client know that you're still like alive <laughs> is kind of important. Yeah. And I think too, like, so I'll pull this example from, uh, like the one of the a client that I work with, um, she's a wedding photographer and uh, she got to, she had a photo booth as well. Mm -hmm. And she got to the wedding, the venue space, and there was no space inside for the photo booth. The venue had put her outside, but the, her contract states that she has to be inside. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was like this issue <laughs> that could have been avoided had the vendors talked to one another. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of times like we rely on our clients to tell us things when in reality we should be taking a more proactive role in managing those situations. So like if for me, if I'm doing a system setup for somebody and I know that at the end of the process, I'm going to have to embed their lead capture form on their website and I don't have access to their website. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, I'll ask for their like web person's information so that I can make that contact and I can make sure that it happens correctly versus trying to explain like, this is what you need to tell your web person to get this done. Like, that level of proactiveness and like me taking that step versus requiring it of my client or asking it of my client, um, again, contributes to the experience. Yeah, no, I think that's important, especially with the people like in your industry, they're more likely to have that kind of thing. I mostly work with like service providers. So they're doing like every like small businesses, like not wedding professionals and stuff. And they're just kind of doing everything themselves. So yeah, it's really important to kind of just have that, um, you know, already. So you're not having to play phone tag basically with the middleman and, you know, the web developer or whatever you need to do. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and then also kind of jumping back, you said you like to work in sprints. I actually, that's funny. I used to do that myself. Um, I, but I switched to kind of, since I do have so many arms of my business, I switched mm -hmm. to putting headers for the whole month and then just kind of mapping it out that way. So I wasn't doing like too many of my blog tasks and then too many podcast tasks, like, and then not focusing on anything else. But yeah, uh, sprints was helpful for me for a while, but then I realized I was like, whoa, like <laughs> there's too much going on to kind of like separate it out without forgetting something. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. But yeah, I think that's a really good way for a lot of people to work. Um, and then in terms of offboarding, kind of what does that look like? Yeah, so I have um, a checklist that I go down just to make sure that I don't forget to like remove my access from somewhere that I had. Like, um, I don't want to have access to anything related to their business once we're done. It's too mm -hmm. much of a liability. <laughs> but I, uh, so I have a checklist that I go down and I have a standard offboarding email that I send. Um, but like I said, I, I like to stay engaged after a project is over. Mm -hmm. um, and I also like to make sure that I provide a list of deliverables. So um, for a Dubsado setup project, it's, it's easy because it's typically pretty standard. Um, but for like an OBM client who is moving on from me, um, from working together, it typically looks a little bit different. But I just like to recap like everything that we accomplished together because I think Sometimes it gets lost, like in the day-to-day -day shuffle of like everything that's going on. I think sometimes some of the the wins essentially can get buried. Yeah. Um, so just resurfacing them and it kind of, I don't know, it helps the relationship end on a productive note. <laughs> when it's like, yeah, when it's like out in the open and like very kind of documented um, in a way. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, the offboarding process isn't as, robust as onboarding. Um, mm -hmm. again, cause I, I focus a lot on onboarding just because like somebody's just handed you a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta do, you gotta, you gotta make sure that they know that they made a good decision. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Onboarding is definitely like very important in addition to like the just daily management of the project. And then the offboarding, of course, that's still important, but once you're done and you know you made a good impression, then you can kind of coast because you already did your good off onboarding process and you did your good client management process. And the offboarding is just like, okay, you know, I did this for you, you liked it, you know, thank you, that kind of thing. And here's what we did when we worked together. Versus, you know, you don't have to, since you do have such a good process already, you don't have to like make up for it at the end, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very, very good sentiment. <laughs> when you do a good job throughout, you don't have to make up for it at the end. I love that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, some people like, if they don't have that good experience, and at the end, they're like, oh my god, I want them to give me a really good testimonial, but I didn't have my shit together. So <laughs> now I have to like, yeah. be really, really good and be really, really nice so that they won't give me a testimonial or that they'll refer me to other people. So, you know, yeah. just having that consistency from the get go is really important. And you know, if you don't already have a good experience set up for your client right now, I mean, it's not a big deal. You can definitely tweak it and change it. It's not like you're like, if you start, you're never allowed to add any elements to it. Yeah. And it's true. Like you're offboarding. It's like the last impression that somebody has of you. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, that's what they're going to remember. Like regardless of the service that you provided, they're going to remember that their very last interaction with you. So you definitely want it to be a positive one. Yeah. I, um, also speaking about, um, ways that like you can kind of like go above and beyond a little bit. Um, like I said, I work with a lot of photographers and, uh, recently I had a client who had an issue with clients coming back to her like six months after the wedding, after their gallery was already down, mm -hmm. um, and saying, Oh my gosh, I never downloaded these photos. And she was charging them a fee to re upload their photos. And it's like, no, <laughs> right. And so the, the last impression that that person had of you was you charging them a fee to re upload their photos. And it's like, 
all of that contributes to how somebody perceives your brand. So mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that you did your job and you provided everything that you needed to provide, like that is an opportunity that's missed in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and how hard is it for you to re-upload photos? It's not like you deleted them and have to like try and restore them. You just need to put them back on the gallery or something. So it's really important, yeah, to just leave a good impression because, you know, if that client has a sour taste in their mouth because you're like, here, pay me $100 so I can redo this or whatever your fee is, then they're going to be less likely to refer you out. So like, well, you know, she wasn't accommodating when I accidentally forgot to download the photos or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I think we, so I think in the online space, we talk a lot about boundaries and like how you're creating like boundaries to let you live your life and not be like chained to your business all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's a conversation that I am not always a huge fan of. Um, so I have people who are like, well, I don't let my clients like call me or text me or whatever. And that's fine. Like if that's a boundary that you want to have in place, that's fine. Um, I have in my own business, I try to set a boundary that if like when a project is over, um, if you need something else, like my hourly rate, it says in my offboarding email that my hourly rate would kick in then, but I have never actually charged somebody <laughs> who came back to me after the fact with a question. Um, again, because it's, it's important to have a boundary, but I don't think it's important to have it like to such an extreme. Like I remember when I got married, I bought my wedding dress and I had a really good relationship with my photographer. Like she, um, was like super engaged in the whole process. We also got married kind of in the off season. So it wasn't as busy of a time of year for her. But I remember when, uh, I had just been emailing her, um, before I went shopping for my wedding dress and she was like, Oh my gosh, text me a picture of your wedding dress. When you like, when you find the one that you're going to get. And I did. Mm-hmm. But so many people talk about like these boundaries and like not crossing those personal lines. But like at the end of the day, yes, it's a business serving another business or a business serving like a like quote unquote client, but it's like, it's person to person mm-hmm. and people like people connect with other people. <laughs> so I don't know. I, like I said, the boundary conversation is one that comes up a lot in the online world, but I have taken a stance of not putting up like those walls necessarily. And it has impacted my client experience tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm like similar, but I'm like, I think it's important to have boundaries, but they can also, you know, as long as people aren't taking hardcore advantage of them then I yeah. think I'm flexible like obviously I don't want someone like oh hey can you like do this for free or something ridiculous but at the yeah. same time if they have a simple question I'm not going to be like well my hourly fee is this because it's like right. it's one question like there's no point or people who there's a lot of people who are like I'm not going to hop on a discovery call because that's a waste of my time um but to me that is not a waste of my time because you know it's a bigger waste of your time working with a client that sucks. So yeah. you can vet them on the discovery call. And that's only like 15 to 20 minutes of your time, not months potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you don't know what connection you could make on that call. Like even if the client's not a good fit, mm-hmm. you could make a really good connection that could turn into a referral or something down the road. Like you just never know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And she's 
like it's only 20 minutes of your time. I don't think people are too busy for 20 minutes, but um, I guess I'm in the minority here, but that's just kind of my two cents on that. Like I've always offered discovery calls and you know, not all the time clients when I have them, but if they do, I'm more than willing because then I can answer calls. I'm not emailing back and forth. It's actually mm -hmm. saving me time in the long run. So. Yeah, it, that's very true. And some people just feel more comfortable making a decision when they've talked to somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm and, that way. I'd rather talk to yeah. somebody. Even though yeah. I'm like nervous at first, I'm like, well, I'd rather know and be able to ask questions instead of going back and forth for like five days over email. Because, you know, when people email me, I get back to them pretty quickly. But, you know, if it's a really long thread, there I might miss something just because it just keeps going back and forth. So, you know, just popping on a quick call and answering any questions that they have. And then after the fact that they have more, you, they can shoot you an email. Like it just eliminates a lot more time, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad we're in the same camp for that because a lot of people are very, very, very anti-discovery call or anti, you know, having flexible boundaries. But it's not, it's not going to hurt you as long as you don't let people take advantage. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I get it. People, it, I get that you, like, you don't want the scope of a project to increase. You don't want to, you're not giving things like the world away for free, but it, I just think a little bit of flexibility will ultimately benefit everybody in the long run. Yep. I totally agree. So now let's dive into three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. So what does okay. it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? Um, so it's funny. I just finished reading um, The E-Myth by Michael. I think it's Michael Gerber. Um, but it, he talks a lot about like the difference between a technician, a manager, and an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, and after reading this book, I'm like, wow, I actually don't know that I'm functioning in an entrepreneur role. Like, I don't know that I'm, it's that I've fully stepped into like the visionary CEO type of role for my business. So yeah. this question is interesting for me because I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. <laughs> um, but I think that, um, the most exciting thing for me that, that I think the thing I've enjoyed most about, um, being a business owner and, um, having had this experience is just that, um, you have the flexibility to do literally anything you want. Yeah. Like my husband and I were having a conversation the other night. Um, I was thinking about changing, um, some of the services that I offer and like tweaking them a little bit. And he was like, listen, so you do it and it doesn't work whatever, like you just burn it to the ground and start fresh. And it's such a freeing feeling to know that you're in control of that. Yeah. And not dictated by like somebody else's plan for you. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Like if you have a service that blocks, it's not a big deal. Just take it off your website. I mean, don't pretend it never happened, but um, just, you know, if it's not working out, then you don't need to have it there. Or if you don't like it or enjoy it, you don't need to offer it. Even yep. if it's bringing you in money, like it's your happiness is more important than that and you get a choice like not everyone gets the choice to do what they want to do every day because you're not always allowed to do what you want to do all the time when you're in a typical nine to five position so you know take advantage of that like do yeah. what you want to do because <laughs> yeah. you know, if, you're not, if you're not doing that then it's your own fault and I would feel sorry for you yeah truly <laughs> truly I, my best friend just left her corporate job um, to start a freelance writing business. And I'm like so excited for her because <laughs> all of the things that like I was feeling two years ago, you know, like remember that feeling of like just being like super excited, but also apprehensive and nervous and like not really knowing what things like how to do things or not really having really any clue what you're doing. 
Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm excited to watch her go through that journey. <laughs> that's why I love the other part of my business because I also coach like aspiring and like new social media managers to become like full on profitable business owners. Oh, so I super love cool. working them through that journey because that's like, I was there like two years ago and now I'm able to help them, you know, get out of their corporate job or, you know, actually start making an impact and making more than, you know, $300 a month or whatever they're doing. So <laughs> yeah. it's nice to help them. And I was only there like two years ago. So it's nice to be like, help them and see like, this is what can be possible for you. And I'm not mm -hmm. someone who's making like 10 K a month because you know, I, I don't really desire to make, like, I'm not like, oh, I want to be a million dollar business. That's not me. I just want to be happy. So mm -hmm. you know, having that to look forward to instead of someone who's just like, you know, you can make 20K months. It's more attainable to them and they're not like, they don't see it and get overwhelmed. They're like, okay, I can actually do this. Yeah, totally. Totally. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? I think I might know the answer to this, but I'm curious. Is it Asana, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, no surprise. Shocking. I need to start asking Asana, Team Asana or Team Trello to kind of mix it up a little bit. Oh, seriously. Oh, I tried Trello and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I don't know why. I liked it. I did like it, but I, I thought I didn't like that you had to use a power up to have everything displaying on one calendar. So I felt like I was like popping between all my calendars and missing stuff along the way versus Asana. You can just look at everything on one calendar, no matter how many boards it's on or how many yeah. boards you have. So that really threw me off with Trello. So I was just like missing tasks because, you know, I had the power up, but it still wasn't even that good. So yeah. Yeah. And the calendar is what I look at most on Asana. Like I don't really look at the list breakdown because like, to me, I just like seeing all the pretty colors <laughs> so, like, on my calendar. And did you notice a few bit, like a couple weeks ago, they changed it and people complained that, that they changed it back like that same day. I did not know. So <laughs> I actually don't look at the calendar. I look at the list. It's oh, okay. just like the way my mind operates. But yeah, I didn't. So I didn't notice. <laughs> Uh, there was like so much uproar there, like because you had to like scroll to see your whole day like in that day you were scrolling you weren't scrolling down your screen it was just like they only showed like five tasks on your calendar and then you had like there was like, a little pop-out scroll and people were up in arms <laughs> so they changed it back that exact same day they're like I'm gonna have to leave if it stayed like this because it, it really was not functional because you could only oh, tasks at a time and it's just like <laughs> No, I have like 30 tasks a day or more. So please don't do this to me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, but it was only like a day. So most people probably didn't even notice, especially if you don't really look at the calendar. Um, and then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? So the person that you're really inspired by and you feel like they're always killing it. Um, okay. So there's a girl, actually, I think she might've been a guest on your podcast at one point. Um, her name is Britt Colo from Jam Marketing Group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, um, I interviewed her a couple of days ago, so it hasn't gone live yet, but I did. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm loving, so um, she talks a lot about, she's in my the local Rising Tide chapter, so that's okay. how I know her, um, but she just developed a, like, whole, like, school of thought around marketing based yes. on your personality type, and oh my gosh, it is, like, 
mind blowing. So yes. I'm loving everything that she's doing right now. Um, yeah. Her episode actually goes live on September 20th. Well, your episode's going live way after that, but it'll be soon. And I'm going to be at her podcast. Um, I'm interviewing next week for it. So. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. yeah. No, she's really, really cool. I like her a lot. And then marketing personality thing is like genius because so genius. <laughs> I'm such an introvert. So it's like, I need to know where I'm going to feel comfortable marketing to people because some things make me really uncomfortable. So. <laughs> so now I have to, since we're having this conversation, did you take the 16 personalities test? I haven't yet. I meant to, and then I haven't yet, but I, I need to go do that. But I do know I am an INFJ. That helps. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm an <laughs> ISFP. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I love personality type. I think it's really interesting. But yeah, I'm going to go do that after this call, actually. But yeah, she, yeah, she's great and her podcast is great. Um, so yeah. Well, tell us where we can find you. So your website and your social media channels and things like that. Yeah. So, um, AnnieMcCarty.com is my website. Um, and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at efficiently Annie. Um, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes so my listeners can go check you out. And thank you so much for being here. I enjoyed chatting with you again. Yeah. Awesome. This was great. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 69. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.